Welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. It's our usual crew. We've got Adam, we have Rhiannon, we have myself, I'm Caleb, and uh, I have been listening to more podcasts this week, guys. Uh, I've started exercising a little more, which gets me back into listening to podcasts. And I was very fearful for our listeners that we've just been like, I don't know, chewing the fat and talking about nothing for the last six months because of COVID. And I realized everyone is doing that. Like there are no podcasts or sports radio shows that are actually talking about anything anymore. So I felt much better after. Very nice. Very I mean, nice. we chew the fat, but our fat is delicious. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> We've we've got plenty of fat to chew. Huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a terrible tagline for a podcast. Marvel News Desk. We've got plenty of fat to chew. That would make a good t-shirt, though. If you're looking for a workout, I know a good one on YouTube. Oh, yeah? At Safe Daredevil.com. I did a workout with Naquam. Oh, yeah, And it's yeah, on YouTube yeah. for people to do. It's all body weight stuff. Uh. And I could barely walk the next day. Yeah, mostly for me, it's just getting as much walking in as I can. I just feel like such an old man. Like, if I do things much more strenuous, then, like, I get feet issues and all sorts of problems. But anyway, no one wants to hear about that on the podcast. Excuses, excuses. <laughs> Hashtag gout pod. <laughs> I don't think it's that, but yeah, no, I just... Anyways, no one cares. Um no. But it's good well, to be been, back, guys. I've been trying to work out more this week, too, and focus on nutrition and stuff. Like, I've been thinking about working out this week. That's as far That's as good. I've gotten. I challenge you all to at least watch the workout I did with Naquam and, like, think about it. I love the concept of a bodyweight-based workout. Like, you're just in your living room, as long as you got, yeah. like, a couch or a table that you just, you know, yeah. use your own... Because you're trying to get rid of your body weight as it is. You might as well use it for something. Yeah. I mean, and, and it was a really good... I mean, like, I normally work out with some weights and stuff that I've had in my apartment. Um, but I'm trying to just, like, really embrace the living room workout. And just, like, okay, I have a half hour right now. I'm going to go do 20 minutes worth of stuff and then cool off for 10 minutes. Um, and it's been, it's been... This week it's been working. I mean, you know, that's about how long these spurts of mine last. But... And right now you can go to work stinky, you know, like you can do the workout right. and then jump right back into work and not even have to shower. Right. Or if I want to shower, it's right there too. <laughs> That's true. It's brilliant. It's lovely. No, I was just going to say, if you guys haven't uh, told, this is where we're supposed to put the ad in this, you know, this episode has been brought to you by Weight Watchers. <laughs> Use... Use promo code MND <laughs> at the checkout for 0% yeah. off. Yeah. Hit us up, Weight Watchers. We can be... For, for real, be right? At least half as cool as Kevin Smith. I mean... <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're under the presumption that we don't want to do ads because we're 156 episodes in and never have, it's just a combination of our laziness, laziness and lack of popularity. So, no, we're willing to sell out. So, you know, hit us up. Hell yeah. I never okay. checked my Marvel News Desk email, so maybe yeah. we've gotten, like, thousands of requests and I've never seen them. Yeah. Did we hit the 150 episode, like, milestone and not, like, 
do anything? Correct. Oh, okay. Yeah, awesome. it was like a random Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode or something. Cool. Yeah. Well, you know what we're doing for this special episode? We actually have real news to talk about, which is <gasps> exciting. So, in the realm of, like, real actual news, uh, we've got a new Captain Marvel director. As you may have remember hearing, um, Bowden and Fleck are not returning for Captain Marvel 2. And Marvel has announced, uh, well, not announced, but it's gone through the trades that Nia DaCosta is the new director. Um, she is a black woman, and she is just now finishing up work on Candyman, uh, which I think is a Jordan Peele-produced horror movie that's coming out sometime this sure year. Sure is. Uh, that's the only thing she's done that most people will know. I think she has some indie movies, but... Uh, any thoughts, guys, about Nia DaCosta going on to Captain Marvel 2? I'm excited. Marvel has done an amazing job finding these directors that have, you know, a, a shorter resume, but are just waiting to be discovered. So um, while I haven't watched any of her stuff, I, I, I'm just sort of excited looking at her resume and looking at who she's worked with on the little bit that she has there. I hope she can use it to pull uh, Yaya into the MCU after his standout Watchmen role and Aquaman role. But uh, as I understand it, he's in Aquaman too, so maybe not. But maybe. I've seen none of her stuff. Candyman looks great, but I've seen none of her stuff. It strikes me that this is the kind of hire Marvel Studios is going to continue to make for a very long time now. I mean... As you said, Rhiannon, they have proven that they don't need a big, flashy director name. You know, they don't need somebody who's already done a billion-dollar movie in order to bring someone in who's capable, that does a great job. But also, I think that a Marvel job is a relatively safe one because there's so much production around you from the special effects crews and the, the stunt crews and... Uh, the people they get to score the movies and the writer, like you have producers that are on their, you know, 24th Marvel movie or 28th Marvel movie. Like there's just so much support there that you can take a risk on a director who's not been in this kind of movie before and it's not going to hurt you. And so if you can do that and you can get someone who I assume is relatively cheap compared to like trying to get Steven Spielberg to show up. And on top of it, you can do the right thing and or the good PR thing. I think it's probably a little bit of a mixture of both for Marvel, right? To bring in people who are kind of outside of the traditional um, circles and profile of your typical Hollywood director. Like all those things I think are positive for Marvel. And so I just think that we should get used to whenever we get a new director, it's going to be somebody go, Oh, I've never seen anything that they've done. Because I don't think I've ever seen a Kate Shortland movie, and she's on Black Widow, and I've never seen uh, Chloe Zhao, and she's on Eternals, and uh, you know, like most other directors, Sam Raimi is really, or Sam Raimi, excuse me, is the the one outlier I think in the last five or six director hires that they've had. So to me, this is the way forward for Marvel, and I think they're pretty set on this this strategy. Plus, with Raimi, I don't think he's... He hasn't done a movie in 10 years, I think. Pushing it. But yes, they are going to hire 
more directors that aren't white males. So get used to it. And it's not... The woke comments. I instantly saw woke comments. I did. I saw... This is actually how... What uh, drew my attention to the actual news was... The internet bitching about the wokeness. The alleged wokeness. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? And then I saw the news and I'm like, come on. One, one, one black woman, and now MCU is too woke. That's bullshit. Agreed. How do I say this the right way? At some point, I just think it'd get boring to complain about this. Like, Marvel has made very clear with Phase 4 that they're going to hire 50-50 men and women. I'm pretty sure, I'm not confident, but I think if you go through the directors of the movies and the showrunners and directors of the Disney Plus shows... It's pretty darn close to 50-50, if not like 60-40, on a male-female split. So, like, at some point, just stop complaining about it. Like, it's just the, it's the way it's going to be. Even if you're enough of a Neanderthal to not be okay with them hiring women, too bad. It's happening. Like, at some point, you got to stop crying every time it rains, you know? Like, I don't know. It just seems like you should get over it, and then, well, you, sh- you should have had a problem in the first place, and then you should get over it if you do have a problem. And it's just not going to change, you know? And seriously, if you have an issue with the wokeness of the MCU, why in the world are you... I mean, like, haven't you found a hole to crawl into and be your little dark, gross self without looking at new Captain Marvel news? Like, what do you even care about Captain Marvel anyways? Like, she doesn't care about you. Her first movie did fine without you. You can go back to your little hole and... You know, cry to your mom. And Captain Marvel 2 is going to make much more as well. There's never been a Marvel sequel that's made less, right? Uh, Iron Man 2 made less money than Iron Man. Hmm. All right, well, that's forgettable anyways. Age of Ultron made less than Avengers. Okay. But yeah, I mean, what I really hate about it is like... Oh, this is like the way the trolls get you. Like we've gone down this negative role of like telling our listeners to crawl back into a hole. And it's not even like what we intend. It's just, it's so frustrating that we can't talk about a new director. We can't talk about something that should be commonplace. Hiring a director. That's not a white dude without immediately people coming out and being jerks about it. And then we feel like we've got to respond to the jerks. And it's just, I mean, it's very frustrating. And what I mean by crawling into their hole is like, these people, the same type of people that are claiming wokeness for a woman with very little experience getting to direct Captain Marvel probably are the same ones that didn't want to go see the first Captain Marvel in the first place. Like, they're the ones that, yeah, that have... campaigning for Brie Larson to get yeah, fired. Yeah, that have had that. issues yeah. with this, you know, character and everything from the beginning... That just like on most things that women face, like nobody's ever going to be right for them. And a African American, I, I assume she's American. A, I think so. I uh, sure. anyways, I'm going to call her African American, and you know, risk that awkwardness of her being you know English. Um, woman, you know, getting selected for a high level position is you know. Uh, a typical bit of news for this past week. Uh, and it's also been interesting, you know, I think Marvel's been a little more careful on racial things as well, as far as who they've hired. I don't know the Marvel TV directors as well, 
But, um, you know, obviously uh, with Eternals, you have a person of color doing a movie. With Thor, Love and Thunder, it's uh, a person of color being the director. We have it again here. And so that seems to be something Marvel's being very intentional about, too. And Ryan Coogler will obviously be back for Black Panther 2. And I think all three of us would say that that's been nothing but good for the MCU to make it a more diverse and interesting place, you know. All right. She is from Brooklyn, by the way, uh, Rhiannon. I don't know that, but Wikipedia does. Unless someone lied on Wikipedia, <gasps> in which case we're all got eggs on our wow. face. Uh, she worked with Tessa Thompson once, too. Yes. So. Has, I mean, she has an interesting resume, so good for her. And I'm glad that they're taking this wokeness initiative further, whatever it is. All right, uh, let's talk about Spider-Man a little bit. Uh, two Spider-Man news is today or this week. Um, the first is that there's a few publications who have been listing this movie as Spider-Man Homesick. Uh, it's I don't I mean. It's weird because some like one of them is a trade. I think is a deadline or somebody that's used this title to talk about this movie. So that seems odd that they just make it up and that they'd all make up the same name unless they're copying each other. The flip side is I think everyone hates that name. Uh, I'll see if you guys feel the same. And then also there's talk that they are looking for a Joel Kinnaman type to play Craven the Hunter or to play a villain. Which doesn't do much for me because I don't know who Joel Kinnaman is, but uh, he does look a lot mm. like Craven the Hunter in a lot of pictures. So, what do you guys think about Craven as the villain? If you Google it, comicbook.com, if you trust them, has put out a picture of what Joel Kinnaman would look like as Craven the Hunter. Yes, I've seen that picture. He's in House of Cards and Altered Carbon. He's in Suicide Squad. Who was he in House of Cards? Um, who was he? The uh, he's running for president, right? Uh, who was past he in season uh... three or four? I gave yeah, up. Yeah, so. you have to be in an early season of House of Cards to matter. You gave up, like one or two, and even season two, I have issues yeah. with. I, I gave up. I gave up with some of the really? Russian stuff, and then Kevin Spacey turned into be a potential. Like, I don't know. I don't want to watch anything with Kevin Spacey anymore because he's a total creepo. So that's kind of what happened. Right. Will Conway. Governor Will Conway. So I'd love your opinions on either Craven as a villain or Homesick as a title to the last Spider-Man movie. This is the dangers that come with trades because I think a lot of um, like writers at trades just write their opinions and everyone instantly assumes it's fact i I know boris kitt just got in trouble with that the other day i can't remember what he did um but marvel studios actually reached out and made him run a correction um what was that that was i think it was the release date of uh, wandavision yeah yeah um i think it was maybe empire that's running i'm not seeing a major trade Um, show up on the first page of the google results for homesick yeah, I think it was Empire, which um still big enough. Um I hate homesick. Uh Craven makes sense. Uh Kinnaman fits in with that uh I I assumed a b- 
bigger kit not a bigger kit, a bigger craven. A bulkier. Kinnaman's craven, bulky. right? Because Kinnaman's not super, super big. Well, he's, yeah, but I just imagined like a Hulk-ish type. Not Hulk, but not Rick Flagg Kinnaman from Suicide looks Squad. like a Skarsgård. Um, he's got like the big Viking look to him. So, so it's not a trade. It was Maxim and Esquire, which, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't think of, at least one of those publications, I think not many people read, actually. You know, like people buy them, but they don't really read it. Um, so I don't know. What do they do with it, Caleb? I don't know. You if they don't read. Esquire's like legit journalism, though. Isn't I mean, it, Maxim has stuff in it too. Isn't Esquire, isn't Esquire like, like a GQ magazine or something? Yeah, I think of Esquire as like how to make cocktails and tailor your suit the right way. Yeah, but it's like uh, I almost compared it to like a Bon Appetit, but that's a poor comparison because you don't want to be like Bon Appetit. But it's like a, it's like a legit magazine. It's like a Rolling Stone or something. It certainly isn't somebody who I expect Marvel Studios to be leaking information. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I don't believe this one, but right. I am not completely... Um, I'm just going to put my vote, I do not hate Homesick as the title. Really? So, uh, my first thought, during a pandemic <laughs> in which lots of people are getting <laughs> sick and it's requiring us all to live at home, somehow using the words home and sick just doesn't... It's right up there with stay-at-home order, you know. Spider-Man stay-at-home order would be a Yeah, but, like, by the time this comes out, we're going to be, like, sick of the outside world. We're going we're gonna to be out in the world so much. We'll have seen 15 movies. And... Oh. From your lips to God's ears, Rhiannon, I just... I, I've gotten to this weird pessimism place where I don't think anything's ever getting better. Like, I just think we're... We're going to die in our houses. AMC's but... <laughs> opening theaters next week. Not here, yeah. but, you know. Yes, that's true. In in places where they don't care about getting sick. Yeah, I... I, I yeah, I, I mean, but that's what... I mean, I, but I really do think that by the time this comes out, I mean, hopefully, we aren't anywhere near a pandemic mindset anymore. And that's not... I mean, and I don't... I mean, homesick to me is a different meaning. I mean, I don't think it's the title, but I don't hate it as the title. I like it better than if it was like Home Sweet Home or, you know, there's plenty of them that I would hate more. Sweet Home Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man falls in love with Reese Witherspoon. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, I think... The movie was probably written a long time ago. Now that it's a Christmas time movie, home for the holidays, like make it a full Spidey Christmas movie, I think could be really fun, but I'm sure that won't happen. I like it. I like it though. Craven to me is the obvious next villain. I mean, Adam is somebody that's got, you know, a bit of a knowledge of Spidey villains. Craven, Scorpion maybe chameleon i mean those are really the the last of the the spidey villains that have not been used in a movie that i can think of <clears throat> oh like overall every movie i thought you meant like mcu no like, no no, um, yeah, overall. no 
Uh, yeah, I mean, Craven makes sense. John Watts wants Craven. He's tried to get in Craven in, in the past two movies, too, so it makes sense. Um, what's the guy's name, the Better Call Saul's game? Michael Amando? Is that his name? Um, he's teased Scorpion stuff before. Um, I, I remember when we all thought Chameleon was going to be in Far From Home. Yeah. Um, and that turned out to be the bus driver. Is that right? Yeah. Like just <laughs> a shield bus driver guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, he could turn out to be chameleon. Um, yeah, Craven just, just makes sense. Obviously they're going to do a Craven's last hunt type deal. Um, especially if this is the last solo Spider-Man movie at the MCU. I mean, that is probably the single biggest Spidey run. Maybe. I mean, Craven's last hunt is to Spider-Man as what Born Again is to Daredevil, right? Unless I'm totally missing something Clone Saga or... Uh, I mean, I think it depends. I think Maximum Carnage was a bigger event probably okay. for the property. But as far as esteemed as like a well-written kind of comic masterpiece, right. people always go to Craven Because I think it's easily the most adult and dark Spidey story you know, right. at least it, in that era. it fits in with. I mean, not only does it fit in with the um, plot with Spidey having to be on the run and, and getting hunted and stuff, um, but I mean, Kevin had said that this movie is going to be completely out of uh, Tony Stark's shadow, so Spidey's on his own, Peter Parker's on his own, and it's probably going to be more adult. It's not going to be hard R. Um, with a million F-bombs and gratuitous sex scenes or anything like that. But, I mean, you could imagine it's probably going to be... Um, it's going to be as um, adult and edgy as Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3. How about that? It's. I would laugh if they made Tom, like, dye his hair or something. And get all moody. Um, but. I mean... Now that I've looked up pictures of Joel Kinnaman, I would take a hard R. Uh, hard R what? <laughs> you better finish that sentence. Good lord. Interview with him in it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Alright, um, I didn't mention this earlier, guys, but uh, I think we should talk quickly about the fact that Mulan is going to be available on Disney Plus for 30 bucks here in a week or two. Um... I'm interested if that is attractive to you guys to watch at that price point, and if it says anything to you about MCU hopes for a similar con- situation. I will be buying Mulan um, just because I want to see Black <laughs> Widow do a similar path. There's There are so many people that said... Or that are saying Black Widow is not going to do it, um, but those same people said Mulan was gonna do wasn't gonna do it. Those same people said the Snyder Cut was never gonna happen. Those same people insist New Mutants is going to get only a theatrical release. Um, I will be buying Mulan um, to give the mouse my thirty dollars. Um, in hopes that it performs well enough um, 
for Black Widow, dude. Because that's the thing. I mean, it's still going to theaters. If you want to see Mulan in theaters, you can. Um, if well, and that's what open. I was about to say. New Mutants is still going to theaters. So, you know, are you... So you're buying Mulan because you want to be able to see it without going to a theater? I am buying Mulan, so my $30 goes into the pot. So some accountant within the bowels of Walt Disney Studios says, Wow, you know, Mulan didn't do half bad. Maybe we can make a lot more money with Black Widow this way. That is why I'm buying Mulan. So I'll probably end up watching it at some point. Uh, Yeah, my friend that loves musical theater got to see it in a screening in L.A. before the world shut down. And she said it was lovely and very much worth seeing in a theater. Um, but I will not be buying the Mulan. Sorry, guys. Like, I want Black Widow. I hope all of the Caleb's in the world buy all the Mulans. So that their girls can watch it over and over. But I will not. Yeah, that's what my biggest takeaway is. To me, this is all about Disney being a family company, largely, and Mulan being, like, a, it's it's a little different, because I don't think it's going to be for, like, you know, three-year-olds, but, like, I heard a lot of people say, who wants to pay $30 to see a movie? And my perspective, as the dad of four daughters, is who, who doesn't spend $30 every time they right. go to the movies, you know, like... It's once we take our kids, particularly if we let them get a snack, it's a 50 or $60 extravaganza to go to one movie for our family. So $30 and popcorn and, you know, snow caps at home. Absolutely. Sign me up. I am, you know, I am there in a heartbeat. It's a great deal. I would like to see it on a big screen, but given that nothing of any amount of joy is happening in the world lately, I'm, you know, I'll be happy to watch a movie that I'm into. And so I'm all there for it. And I do think that there are a lot of people, particularly some of the folks I see on Twitter that just do not understand the value proposition for someone like myself. And I think thus they're underestimating how much this is going to make. Cause I think it's going to do fairly well here on stateside. I think it will. I think it'll do well. Will it do well enough to make up for the theater? Yeah, money. It's getting a full release in China, right? Yeah. I think the real challenge on this is just to remember the economics. So when you see a box office number, only about 50% of that domestically goes to the studio. So, like, you know, you look at a movie, Beauty and the Beast did awesome here. I think it made $500 million. But Disney only took home 250 of that. Now, I don't think Mulan's going to make $250 million, $30 at a time. But I think it could easily make $100, $150 million. And at that point, it's just as successful as, like, say, Cinderella, one of their other live-action remakes. You throw in maybe a couple hundred million dollars out of China... And then you just squeeze out a hundred or two million here or there, you know, it's not going to be great. To me, this is like someone who loses their job and sells like jewelry to a pawn shop. Are they going to get great value from the pawn shop? No. If you're out of a job and you really need money to just keep things afloat until you get another job, 
do you get desperate enough that you'll sell something at the pawn shop? Yes. That's what Disney's doing here. This is the pawn shop of movies for them to move product they have to get some kind of cash flow to keep them moving through the pandemic. And I think that's really how you have to look at it. Astute observation. And I also awesome th- metaphor. I also think I've seen it. a lot of people that are like, oh, it'll just be on Disney Plus for free in a few months. We don't know that. Like, if I'm Disney, it's not going to be up there for free for like a year. Like, you know, there's no reason for them to rush to that. It's going to totally slaughter the whole media stuff, though, because once you spend the 30 bucks, it's yours. They're, but didn't they also announce that they're not going to do 4K DVD sales this, anymore? Right, physically. Yeah. Are there, so that's, are there metaphorical uh, 4K DVDs? No, you can buy them. You can do oh, a digital oh, download oh, okay. of a yeah. 4K movie. Digital. I still can't tell the difference between 4K and whatever the number is. I noticed but... that stuff. I got a new television in the past year, and the whole world looks different. I think the the other thing with this is I think they want people to feel pot committed to Disney+. Plus. Like, it sounds silly, but if you bought 10 or 11 or 12 movies at 30 bucks a piece over the next five years at Disney+, Plus, you're like, oh, I mean, I could save $5 a month, but I'll lose $300 worth of... You know, like, movie purchases that I've made. Might as well just keep it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm with you, Adam. I think if you're an MCU fan that really wants to see Black Widow before there's a vaccine readily available, you need to buy Mulan whether you want to or not. Because that, I I really believe it's a test balloon for Disney about if this can work or not. So They, they could get away with charging double for Black Widow, too. It's, I mean, that's the thing. They could... People spend what a hundred bucks on like UFC or something, fifty bucks on UFC. That's a comparison I've made because it's Disney as well, and you have to be an ESPN Plus. Well, you don't have to be an ESPN Plus subscriber, but it's cheaper if you're ESPN Plus. And mm-hmm. people drop sixty-five bucks to see a fight, and I know there's four or five people on the or four or five fights on the card, but a, a UFC fight, the main fight, it can be over in ten seconds, and. Right thousands and thousands of Americans every like once every two weeks drop 50 60 bucks on a fight that could be over in 10 seconds and you're telling me that a bunch of families aren't going to pay 30 bucks to watch Mulan with their kids I just don't I think that people are underestimating that so oh show uh I think that's the major news stuff let me do like kind of a news grab bag I'll mention a couple of things and if any of it's interesting to you you can mention it uh, we don't talk a lot about video games, but the Avengers beta uh, was this weekend. Um, so lots of people are playing that. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are poo-pooing it, but people who are giving it a fair shot say it's fine. Miss Marvel is casting a couple of roles. It's pretty sure, it looks like, that they are casting Nakia, her best friend, and her brother Amir. Uh, none of that will surprise anyone who reads those comic books. Oh, and also they are uh, doing a little bit of production in Atlanta. Not like rolling films, but there has been some news that they're starting to build sets and stuff. Interestingly, the shows that have been mentioned are Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, and Hawkeye. Uh, And also a little work maybe on the Spider-Man sequel. WandaVision is surprisingly absent from shows they're working on in Atlanta, which is weird because we can't tell if that's really over or not. 
Any of those news things tickle your fancy? I took um, the next week off, so I will be playing the Avengers beta all weekend. Um, I think it looks dope. I mean, it's kind of Spider-Man-y. And there's increasing evidence that it might tie into Spider-Man. Do you have a PlayStation? No, I sold it on eBay. I don't. I have an Xbox. Oh, bummer. Um, We've covered this. Was the next, I know. I can't, I can't remember what the hell we talked about last week. Miss um, Marvel, it might already come out by the time you hear this, but they say Miss Marvel has been cast. Oh, um, but nobody knows who. So I saw a discussion this week because Miss Marvel's Kamala Khan, right? She's mm-hmm. Kamala, but, Khan. but is she Kamala Khan? Yes, because Cardi- yeah, the new that's vice what the internet presidential says. candidate is Kamala. 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 So, the, she, yeah. So yeah. So the vice president, you say her name like the punctuation first. Kamala. Yeah. So, so G Willow Wilson directly answered. Oh, this. they did. Okay, it's okay. really cool. She did. In fact, I I sent a tweet with her added, and she like in five minutes she was like, "Oh yeah, I have a pinned tweet. Check it out." Which awesome, G Willow Wilson. Thank you for being so cool. And it's really weird. What she said is Kamala Harris is uh, I believe her mother is Indian, and so her name is a Hindi name. Uh, I think Hindi is the language, right? Hindu is the religion. Hindi is the language. If I mess that up, I'm sorry, listeners. That sounds right. So her name is Hindi. And Kamala from the comics, her name is Arabic from Pakistan. And so even though they're transliterated the same way, they have different linguistic roots. And so Kamala is Kamala because it's a feminized version of Kamal. Which is actually an unusual name that G. Willow Wilson kind of made up because she wanted her to be quirky and different. Yeah, right. And Kamala is Kamala because that's the more common way for Hindi speakers to say the name. I appreciate you guys educating me on that. It's great. She had a, if you go to G. Willow Wilson's Twitter, she's got like a whole thing about it, including like she's written the languages in their original um, script and, you know, alphabet and everything as well. And she talks a little bit about the difference between like Hindi and Arabic and Uru, I think it is, is the third one. So, awesome. Uh, that's not right. Uh, let me get that and right. I hope to but not anyways. butcher all of the names with my um, white girl inability to pronounce things. Because I'll probably just like butcher them <laughs> right. both and do that. Like Kamala. Come. <laughs> Kamala. Yeah, the. Inf- the emphasis and on uh, it's it's Urdu. I'm sorry. So um, Urdu apparently is kind of a Hindi Arabic mashup a little bit. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what Kamal Nanjan Nanjiani's family spoke at home based on some of the comedy I've heard him do. So um, yeah, all that stuff over at G Willow Wilson's Twitter. Hey, let's talk about Agents of Shield. Yeah. So the finale has happened, and um, mm-hmm. you know we've always talked on the show about being very honest in our opinions. I also know that many people uh, love Agents of Shield and are feeling, you know, the loss of the show. So let's start out with our positive feelings. 
What did you enjoy about the finale? Everything. So I will say the endings they gave these characters, um, I was fine with how everyone ended up in it. Uh, I think it was worthwhile. I, I'm not disappointed with how it ended, ended. Um, it was solid all around. I know both of you probably have some reservations. Um, but for what they had to deal with, um, with season six and seven, I think the, um, finale was a-okay. Um, yeah, the characters were, were pretty good. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing multiple Chromacons duct taped together into one giant nuke and blown up. Like, like by the time that happened, I mean, like, one, I, I enjoyed Sousa just in his practical, like, hey, let's just do this. And the fact that it worked and putting an end to that Chronicom storyline. That was lovely. Um, and, I mean, um, I everybody ended up happy. There was a happy ending. Um, I... Deke continues to be a joy. I hope he is a rock god in some other universe. Um, yeah. Those were my highest of highlights. Yeah, I, I think uh, Colpack and his crew deserve a lot of credit. Like, the insides of yep. that spaceship, yeah. I thought, looked yeah. amazing. Uh, I just saw a lot of the special effects stuff, even the, uh, the Daisy and little Malik fight, you know, like that's the kind of thing that can look real janky on TV, but I think it, it, it went okay. I think it looked pretty good. I think they lit that scene perfectly. So the special effects, it's like a lot harder to do that fight, like on an airport tarmac in the middle of the sun, you know, like civil war, but doing it in like a dark room with ambient lighting, I think, is a smarter way. And so there's just a lot of good decisions there that I think made the show look um, look really good. Uh, I liked some of the little cameos, too, like Agent Hand coming back. I thought was like someone who was not on my list to see her return. But I was like, oh, OK, that's cool. It's good to see her finally get another chance to be there. So uh, I enjoyed a lot of that stuff, too. Um, immediately before Victoria Hand, were we supposed to recognize that guy? I don't think so. Maybe he's from season Cause, like, the Because the score, like, built up and, like, crescendoed at that moment. I'm like, I have no idea who that is. For a minute, I was like, is that Deathlock? And I'm like, no, that's not, that chronology doesn't work, you know? Right. They kept everyone in the shadows, so I'm like, okay, is one of these going to like be Fury, yeah. or what's like what's going on here? And then Hand stepped out, and they didn't even address her by name. I have no idea who y'all are talking about, but the red-haired lady we thought was Hydra yeah, was at one long... point. That was a lot, but it turns out she wasn't. So she's a she's a significant comic character because she was in charge of Shield and Sword a little bit I think in the comic books, and um, she was they revealed that Ward was bad when he suddenly turned and killed her. Okay, like her and Ward were on a Quinjet and he just all of a sudden put a bullet in her and you're like whoa Ward's bad. Speaking of Ward, we did not get any Ward this whole season. 
uh, we got his name. And, I mean, Cora's, Cora's thoughts were pretty much my thoughts, too. Yeah, he, he's the first one that needs to go. So I feel like there were a lot of callbacks in this episode that maybe I didn't get. I was really just happy to see Fitz back. Like, it's just amazing how good the show feels when Fitz is there. You know, like, at least that scratch got itched in a somewhat um, happy way. Uh, I I don't know if they timed it perfectly, because I kind of knew that's who was coming through that wormhole the second that they started putting that device together. But you mentioned callbacks. I think you're right. Like, 084s, they haven't used that phrase in forever. But that was, like, the thing of the first season. And we had Flint, and we had Piper, and yeah, a lot of that stuff. Was, should I have recognized something when Baby Malik's eyes lit up white? No, he just took Cora's powers. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Did the fact that the room has radiation matter? Yeah, we're starting to get... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm going straight into No, 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 you're good. No, you're good. <laughs> like, that was one of those things that, like... Remember these th- those globes are full of radiation, and they said it like the viewer was supposed to know that. And I'm like, we've never been in this room before. What are you talking about? Oh, I thought they meant chronicoms. I thought they were talking they about say... those big blue yeah, bubbles. Yeah, they didn't see the room. They, they were just like in that room into. with the big blue bubbles, and they said, "Remember, these things are full of radiation." Right, and that's why I thought they were talking about the chronicoms because they explode and stuff. Oh, I took it as that's. The, that's how they got the ship to blow up is Daisy let herself be thrown into the big blue bubble that set off a nuclear explosion. But then Daisy wouldn't be a solid body. And she was a solid body. <laughs> she was a solid body. But anyways. Yeah. Um, um, there was... It was kind of cool to have um, the quantum realm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it, I think they borrowed assets so that it looked exactly like the Ant-Man quantum yeah. realm, right? They did not, but they used it for reference. Oh, really? I thought, I don't know, I thought I'd seen somewhere where somebody thanked a certain, like, studio for, like, Yeah, Fuse FX. And that was weird. So I talked to Colpac and the Fuse FX guy, like, the day before, and they couldn't talk about anything. Um, But they talked about everything without saying what it was. But yeah, no, like, even the Doctor Strange portals aren't actual shared assets they just created them from the ground up for whatever reasons you guys could probably fill in the blanks um but yeah that's i mean it's totally the quantum realm it was cool to see that and then uh the whole thing looked familiar um i loved i loved you guys are gonna hate this I loved, loved, loved the time stuff. How the, the blue suits and everything. So uh, the way it stands now is like the season six finale. Like the last scene of the season six finale is like one of the last things we saw in the timeline almost. Yeah, and I didn't like the season six finale. I mean, I should have gone back and watched it. All season, I should have gone back and watched it. But I didn't like it. Right. Well, yeah, no, that was, yeah, that was just, I, I still didn't understand it either. Because it was like a breakneck pace from the Eisel stuff to See, and like my problem was all season, they did a really good job 
of catching me up on everything, even though I didn't remember and didn't want to rewatch the season six finale. Except for this episode. You know, except for at the very end. It's just like, wink, nudge, yeah, woo, here we, you know. And I'm just like, I, 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 I'm lost. I was just lost. I rewatched it today, like, pausing frequently, rewinding with closed captioning on in case there were words I missed. I still have so many questions. So, viewers, or listeners, uh, I'm going to time code this. <laughs> if you want to just hear Happy Shield talk, <laughs> go to the time code, and we'll get back to Happy Talk. I'm so sorry. Um, no, you're... That last episode, the last hour, was a hot mess, logically. Yeah. Like, I just found myself, like, out of breath. Like, I don't I don't understand. Like, Fitz shows up and he goes, okay, well, here's the thing. We've sent this so that I could come back from our timeline to go into this timeline so that we could get a big enough field so that we could trap all the ships and we could take them back to our universe. And Coral! Why do we want to take four Chronicon ships back to the main timeline? If they're going to destroy any timeline, let them destroy this timeline. And then he's like, we we could do it, but we need a big enough power source. And Deke's like, well, we could use the entire Amer- like the entire New York's power grid. And they go, yeah, good idea. And then they built something on the Quinjet and then they went into space. But how were they connected? Was it a really long extension cord? Like, I don't understand how the energy got from New York City to the jet. And then... Uh, listeners, it was just... Listeners, that actually wasn't even one of my questions. We should we should talk it out step by step. So <laughs> the, can, we, can we just bring They made a mobile... Yes. <laughs> they, they made a mobile version of the thing to fit on... They made, like, yeah. a receiver... So yeah, I took it. They put the thing on Zephyr 1 and they somehow tapped into the Manhattan power grid. Because they needed to take the Chronicoms with because the Chronicoms from the Season 7 timeline were the ones that blew up the building at the end of Season 6. Yeah, but they wouldn't have to be there if they didn't bring them with them. I thought... But then they couldn't go back to the original timeline if that I thought they had to take them with them because they had to go to the original timeline and they needed Korra and Korra was on a Chromicon ship. Oh, uh, okay. That makes sense. They need Korra. Yeah. Which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Um, this might be a, also, a multi-part. This might be like a five-hour so, podcast to get through all this. So Enoch left all these parts to this machine sprinkled through the timeline? Yes. But the mm-hmm. whole season long, Enoch was trying to stay on the ship and just kept getting left behind because nobody cared about Enoch. What was their plan if Enoch hadn't got left behind? Because clearly he used that time where he was left behind to sprinkle the parts throughout the timeline. Oh, I assumed that they had other like tri- time traveling. He had the time traveling capabilities and like he had made a trip just to disperse stuff. Returned to Fitzsimmons. And then traveled back and became a part of this timeline. That part didn't bother me. Okay. All right. Let's uh, uh, let's jump to Korra. What are Korra's powers? I I thought it was just she could blow things up with her hand, like. 
energy powers. So she shoots yeah. light. She just has energy. And that light can be so bright that it can make robots empathetic and give robots feelings? No. She was boosting May's powers. So light okay. can boost the powers of May. Well, no, her light has... Her light she, is power. No, May I was... I was feeling that like the light coming out of her hands was power. Yeah, like yeah. energy. So that's why they they uh, tricked Sybil into opening up like the link between her and the hunters, and then they knocked Sybil out, so that link remained open. But the hunters were too far away from the ship for May to use her powers, so Korra was like the energy extension pack or whatever that they needed to get. May's empathy powers right. from the ship to And those Earth. robots, as soon as they were given empathy, just became nice people. Yeah. That's what empathy is, right? It, I mean, it's not... They didn't also begin feeling all the pain in the world, which I don't know where May went from, like, feeling the pain in the room to feeling... Even the pain if I accept side? this... So Korra also can bring dead people who've just been next to ex- nuclear explosions and were fl- flying in the cold vacuum of space back to life? Energy, <laughs> man. It was like the uh, AED or whatever. The clear oh, consum- oh, that's it. So it's just giant it's defibrillator panels is what happened there. Because when someone yeah, yeah, survives yeah, yeah. a mean, nuclear explosion much- as floating out in space, all they need is a little defibrillation and they're right back to normal? So this, I I agree with you about it was so, they jam-packed at least four episodes worth of content into the finale. And that's, I mean, it's the, it's the curse of the 13 episode thing. Like we didn't need the first four episodes of the season. Yeah, we needed the first four episodes. And the grand. The first four episodes. I, this, if this had been drawn out over four episodes, I would have murdered somebody. I <laughs> but it but I mean it was way too okay so let's let's say 3 episodes if they had like a 14th episode or replaced started this earlier or something I mean there was way too much stuff yeah in the thing and a lot of stuff happened off screen like we didn't even see them hook the power up from New York I mean, or whatever I so I that was just to see how they hook up the electric grid like that that sounds right. boring. But we could have used... I mean, it could have, like... They could have gave us a shot. They said they or, cut about 20 minutes from what they really wanted to do. That they had about 20 minutes more. Okay. They should, ABC probably would have gave them 20 minutes if they yeah. asked. Unless ABC says, now nah, we're done with this crap. Nope. Like, they wouldn't even give up a little fun after credit something or other. Like, it's the end of seven seasons of a Marvel show. Give us a little after credit. I agree that it's too jam-packed, and I think one of the ways they could have fixed it, there was all these flashbacks to what really happened with Fitz and Simmons. I think they should have made those the stingers on each of the 13 episodes. Each week, they should have given us a little bit of the Fitz and Simmons story, and it could have been really, you know, hidden and really mysterious. I mean, it could have been 30 seconds of, like, of them building out, you know, the, the, the thing. But if they had sprinkled those and we had been debating them and talking about them every week for two months, 
then they could have brought it together in a fun way instead of like, here's info dump. This happened and this happened and this happened and this happened, you know? I like that. Okay, but let's go to Fitzsimmons. Because, like, this episode was titled Why We Do This or something like that. Why, why we do what we do or why we're doing this or whatever. The reason we do this. That reason is that Fitzsimmons has a kid. Like, I didn't even catch what the threat is here. The Chromicons are trying to kill Earth. We're doing this not because of all of Earth, but because Fitzsimmons has a kid. Yeah, that didn't make any sense to me because if all they cared about was their kid, they could have just lived out in space forever and died happily ever after. Right, and they can jump they can jump through the quantum realm to any timeline. Go to a timeline that's happy. But then they yeah, but then they kill but then they they're not saving their family, you know. And that's what the whole press tour's been since then is the the found family stuff and and they're saving the family. Okay, why can't that family be in a room together ever again? Oh, they can. That was the... Oh, so that was the next thing that ticked me off. I can promise you with 100% certainty, this team will never all be in the same room again. All but that was accurate. Was Deke because of well, Deke. Yeah. All they yeah, know was that, before, Deke behind. that was before he knew they were going to do a plan that involved leaving somebody right. behind. Right. Oh, I figured someone was dying. Them. I but you know, if you give if you give Fitz a, a legal pad and a pen, apparently he can do special math that'll figure out the probabilities of if they'll ever be in a room together again. Like there was so much artificial tension from the Enoch death to that comment about the team getting broken up, and all they did was dump like the best line of the whole two episodes was uh what was it? Was it like it was like Deke and Mac and Daisy's like we got to save Mac. And, um, and Sousa goes, well, and Deke too. And she goes, oh, sure, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that's yeah. the way we all feel about it. Who cares if Deke gets left behind? Oh. Yeah. yeah. I will counter that. The, the Calvary line was a lot better than the the Deke left behind line. Right? Yeah. Right? Because right? Right? the first time she's ever referred to herself as that, right? Yeah. I, I liked that. Just kind of embracing that history. Absolutely. Okay, so timeline. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so. I mean, but I swear, like, when you're at the point, like, heated in the timeline, like, there's people in the lighthouse, there's people on the ship, and there's people on the Chronicon ship. Like, I swear people are in two different places. And there's people in the suits and in the temple, and I still don't know what's up with the temple. I still don't know how May got her empathy powers... I still, like, don't know where all these people are. I'm not watching it again to figure it out. So, Adam, talk about timeline. No, so the way it ends is two years into the snap. Right? So, Thanos snapped... Thanos snapped hours after his invasion on Earth, right? I mean, Infinity War took place over hours, right? Like a day? But there's, there. It's not the same world. It's just yeah. simply not the same world because in their timeline. So that that's where right. I'm. That's where okay. I'm heading. <laughs> so they think it's the original timeline, but it's a second timeline set up when they got taken from the diner. 
So technically it's they're not back in the original timeline. They're back in the timeline where they think, but it's not actually the MCU timeline. Right. Cause the biggest thing is like the world seems back to normal at the end of shield and they've like rebuilt shield into this giant right. organization. But we know from Endgame that like the world is does like the world is like worse than COVID world and there's dolphins swimming in the you know Hudson River and Met Stadium is just like full of empty cars like you know like it's just clearly not the same world as the MCU. I was kind of curious. Um, yeah, I kind of expected them to like get to twenty twenty. You know, they filmed this a year ago, so for them to get to twenty twenty and have like. Daniel Sousa, here's 2020, and let him have, like, his little Captain America moment in Times Square. So, like, I kind of, for the past few weeks, have had this little, like, low-key anxiety of, like, did they go back and maybe change the date to 2019, or is it just gonna be wrong? You know, like, showing Daniel Sousa this 2020 that isn't 2020. Um, So having them in space alleviated all of that. The other thing that I really kind of hated on like a meta level is they created themselves the perfect escape hatch. Whatever happened, they changed the timeline. They're in a different timeline now. And the fact it doesn't line up with the MCU is okay because they're in a divergent timeline. And then they spent the whole last episode forcing it back into the timeline that doesn't work. Why would you do that? It's like, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Also, why did all four ships explode when she exploded one of them? Are they connected? I think Sybil's link was still open. So, what happened to all the Chronicons that were down in the lighthouse? So, what I... So, I... For me... This is probably wrong, but for me, I just picture the Chronicons as, like, Ultron... Like, Chronicoms are one thing, right? Okay, also... And during Agents of Sword on Disney+, Plus, it's going to be revealed that Chronicoms are actually branches off the Supreme Intelligence. So... They don't blow up the speakeasy because, oh, this was off the books and isn't in the S.H.I.E.L.D. records... But Sybil and the Chronicons worked with Grandpa Malik all those years, and he was frequently hanging out in that speakeasy. There's no with Chronicon goons as his bodyguards. There's no way they don't know about the speakeasy. Yeah, but so I mean, they they wiped out Shield, right? With any attack, there's going to be survivors. I mean, you're not going to kill every single Shield member. It just so happened. That Enoch knew... So Enoch must have seen how it ended up to place the 084s with the people that would end up making it to the speakeasy, right? Or was that explained? No, because he didn't know... He didn't know that Korra wouldn't be there. I mean, like, Enoch didn't know... I mean, and that's my thing, too. Like, Enoch knew how it all would play out, but he couldn't, you know, say, okay, now you need to go get... Gora, or, I mean, like, meh. Yeah, because Fitz clearly was surprised by how everything yeah. worked out. And so, 
unless Enoch just hit him that information, Enoch got super lucky that he handed all the pieces to like the six shield agents that actually survived the purge. I so that that was my biggest issue with it. Well, those were undercover. Those were undercover shield agents that weren't like hanging out at shield offices. Right. I saw a theory that one someone thinks like the uh, guy at the end is Trip's grandpa, which would fit. Yeah, I wondered about him. Um, no, yeah, Fitz comes back and everything goes wrong. He asks about Jaini and he asks about Cora, and then suddenly everything's okay. Well, like, wait, what? Fitz getting things wrong was I took it that he was looking at the timeline the same way that the Chromicons were looking at the timeline, the same way they could see. You know, he wasn't seeing the timeline; he was predicting the timeline. And his prediction was that the prediction was that Daisy would stay with her sister. And the same fault of Daisy not staying with Cora that the Chromicon saw is what threw Fitz off as well. I'm just trying to think how... So the Chronicoms came to the timeline because of this whole thing. So then they had to repeat it one more time to... Because as it stands now, I mean, they're still shielded and very much in that other timeline. Because that's why they left. Right? I mean, we saw we saw Zephyr 1 or the time ship leave the timeline again once they came back. After they came back to the temple. Oh, yeah. So who's... So who chased the Zephyr that went back right. to 1930? But, so, but they would be okay... But that doesn't make sense because they would be okay because the Chronicoms from that timeline were in this timeline. So why would they have to go to that timeline? Also, there was another green ship up there like hanging out. Is that Eisel's ship? And did they just leave it parked in space forever? Like what happened with that ship? I mean, it, I don't know. it's a minor thing. But for 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 the end, I mean, I I think we all agreed that the season five finale was a far more suitable finale. But for what they were dealt with, I mean, I, at least character wise, um, I I don't have a problem with anyone's ending. I have a I have a gut feeling that there was a directive. To have them at least leave it a little open-ended in case studios wanted to do something. Yeah, but... They'll scrap it and start over. Mm, There's no way. Really? I'm saying just in case. I really highly doubt it. I really highly doubt it. I I think you, you mentioned this, Adam. The problem we have is that season five felt like the last season and it did a lot of things better than this did. You know, that episode where Fitz and Simmons got married and Deathlock like returned, like all of that stuff I think had better nostalgia moments than this episode had. I think the ending of the real Coulson and may on that, you know, desert Island as the rest of the team went off for the next adventure. Uh, 
to find fits. Like to me, all of that stuff just felt a little cleaner than this. Um, the addition of Sousa is kind of weird. Like ultimately I don't really know why Sousa was here except for to give Chloe Bennett somebody to smooch with, you know, like I, I was kind of expecting like they would come along and need to have his knowledge, like some secret that was lost in the forties that he could tell them that would help them fix a problem. But it just, it all felt a little haphazard and ultimately what we got that last episode it's about 20 minutes of exposition they have a huge conversation where they tell you what's happening in the bar and then they have another huge conversation on the quinjet where they talk about what's happening and it's just a lot of people telling me what's going on instead of me actually seeing what's going on which i wouldn't have even minded that so much if i then knew what was going on like, they spent a lot of time telling me what's going on without, like, me... I, and I was still confused. Like, they they, like they, they they didn't tell they were leaving that mystery, you know. What is Fitzsimmons' little secret? You know, we know they have a kid. You put it in the pictures that you released last yeah. week. Yeah, whoops. Like, like, don't make that. Like, it's the big build-up. Like, I... And it makes no narrative sense. Why wouldn't they tell Daisy and Mac that they have a kid and they're trying to protect it and that's part of the gig? Like, why would they keep that information? It reminds me a little bit of Jonathan Hickman. I love Hickman, but the one thing he does is sometimes he just leaves stuff out of the story so that it creates confusion. And, like, their thing where Fitz is like, well, here's the plan. And then they cut to commercial and they come back and he's like, all right, guys, you got it? Oh, great. We got to miss out on the plan so that we have to live in the dark for another 20 minutes to create artificial, like, tension instead of just understanding what the plot of this thing is. And at least Hickman gets his pretty graphs. We didn't get any graphs or graphic design or charts at all in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so what the hell? I could have used some charts. I needed a chart. There should have been a PDF I could have downloaded so I could be like, all right, this guy here. I tweeted that I wanted a diagram. Another nitpicky thing, why did Sousa have to drill some of the time stone out? I thought Flint created a time stone for Gemma and for Fitzsimmons. Um, that the thing he drilled out was to use for the Zephyr. For what? There were two different things because uh, Flint built the time stone for Fitzsimmons to go on their uh, mission to build the time machine. And then the second time, that was used for the, whatchamacallit, the Zephyr One time. I'm just assuming it's like single-use rocks or something. Because the one Flint used, I mean, Fitzsimmons used that in the jungle to go on the timeline where they had the kid. And then they came back, and then they had to get more of the rock to power the... So, my general feeling is if three people that like this show as much as the three of us do are left having this kind of a conversation where we're completely befuddled about what happened, it just, to me, it's just, it's sad. Like, it should have been an episode where we're talking about character moments and we're talking about how everything fit together instead of feeling like we all just failed a calculus exam. 
You know, right. like that yeah. is my frustrations with the finale. Exactly. I mean, either I'm too smart and I'm like questioning things that I was just supposed to like hand wavy at, which I don't mind. Like, I, but, or I'm really dumb, which I don't think is the case. And I can't follow what they did. And honestly, like, yes, sitting back and looking at the finales they gave everybody, I don't even understand why Lola had to turn into the Batmobile. Why Just did Lola cause. have to turn into the Batmobile? The, Lola is a classic red Corvette. Why? I didn't even, you know, like, by the time Lola was turning into the Batmobile, I was just like, why? This makes no sense. I I give up. Like, screw you guys. Enjoy your lives together. Yeah. I would have traded out the Lola Transformer scene if I could have got a little more Ghost Rider. You know, we talked about this a little bit, Adam. Like, Ghost Rider was so great on the show. It's just really a shame they had no way to bring him back, you know, for anything. And we don't even know what deal Coulson made with the devil to get back from the Ghost Rider universe, do we? Yeah, it was, he could use the thing, but if he used the thing, it would burn out whatever was stopping Keeping him as alive, the, yeah. Yeah, it was keeping him alive, and that's why he ended up dying. Oh. But yeah, Ghost Rider's still just chilling out Plot there. twist from three he years ago <laughs> that Rhiannon is just now getting. Oh, but Which yeah. is not her fault, it's this freaking show's fault. <laughs> I mean, Deathlock's still out there with his shield sleeper cell. Ghost Rider's still out there. There's all sorts of Inhumans still out there. I will... I'll probably blame Ghost Rider on Studios. And the whole Hulu thing. That's why he couldn't have been in. Because he was getting ready for his own series once this was filming and such. I would have also loved to see Bobby and Hunter at some point. Like, they're significant cogs in the show that you would have loved to see step back in for a minute or two, but... But I don't want people to think that, like, we're all negative. Like, on the whole, I really enjoyed this season. It was better than season six by leaps and bounds. Yeah, and that's why... I mean, I think that's why I'm super disappointed in the last episode. It just really, really let me down. Um... Because I feel like they gave me everything I wanted earlier. And I, yeah. But ultimately, I think Adam said it, the ends for these characters were good. Like, as someone who loves Fitz and Simmons, I love the way that we saw their story end. And I think Daisy had a good send-off. And I think May finished off well. Even characters like Piper or Flint, like... I felt like I was very happy that characters got the kind of send off that they deserved. And they made a they turned Davis into an L and yep. <laughs> And Daisy's Did you and so Daisy's pregnant? Davis What was that, Rhiannon? Maybe. And Daisy is pregnant. Oh you think so? Did she like Is that the fan is that the fanfic you started on or what? <laughs> no, God no. Uh my fanfic's totally different. Um well, so when they're all at the speakeasy, which one? Like, okay, you're getting together with your family that you haven't seen in a year, and like none of you could clear your calendar for like a full fifteen minutes. But anyways, um, right? Like, or that's also what got me. They all still work together, but and you're like standing on this. the helipad, like 
just standing there? Like, you don't even find a place where you can sit down in privacy? So, and furthermore... Right, like, there's all in S.H.I.E.L.D., given right? everything they've been through... Or, or Fitz and Simmons? Being everything they've been through, that speakeasy is the most comfortable... Like, they all had hardly ever been in that room together. Like, if they had, like, gone back to, like, the first, like plane that they were on or if they had gone back to like the base they were on with mace or whatever that would have made more sense but also would have been more expensive because it would have had to have been a new set they'd have to rebuild and so they totally just went to the most nostalgic set that they owned and no one wanted to be in that lighthouse freaking hallway for one more week so yeah but um Oh, so when they were there, like, as they were leaving, Gemma said to Daisy, like, I'll send you that anatomy report after Fitz goes to sleep. And then when Daisy goes back to the ship, Sousa is reading the same book that um, Fitz is reading in the flashback where Gemma's pregnant. Oh, that's brilliant. That's it's, really cool. I haven't, I haven't double checked that, but that's what the internet tells me. That's cool. I will say this. I am optimistic we're not 1,000% done with at least one of the characters. Even if it's like Clark Gregg popping up in another prequel cameo or something. Obviously, Ming-Na Wen can pop up in anything. Um, I think, if anyone, I do think Chloe Bennett would return. For Quake. I think there's demand there to include Quake and Agents of Sword. 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 Um, especially if they left her in space and stuff. And Enver's also been in a movie. And uh, we'll see. Enver's been in a movie? That's where your hot take is going? Yeah, hell yeah. He was in Avengers. Well, that was... And then everyone was pissed off that that didn't end. I'm like... Come on, well, I mean, you can't be pissed off that sour. But that was went. one of the things that they said if they had the other 20 minutes, they would have worked Enver and, and yeah, you know, they would have tried to get that Avenger scene somehow. Yeah, I, I actually really liked um, that they just admitted that they did a budget thing we always kind of assumed they did. Like, they talked about how they cheaped out on certain episodes so they could put the money towards other episodes. And, like, this season was so obviously that way where they paid so much money for the special effects of this finale, but they paid for it with, like, the time loop episode where they're just all on the same set or, like, a million scenes in those lighthouse tunnels, which the lighthouse started with Deke in season five. They got three years of walking around those tunnels over and over and over again. I I would have taken more time loop episodes rather than all of the special effects and whatever weird crap happened in that final episode. In the end, like I said, I think they did, they did right by the characters. I think that they were given a really difficult situation. And so I'm appreciative of the finale. I don't, you know, it's not going to like go down in history as like one of those all time worst TV finales or anything like that. Um, I just, not even close. I wish they could have, like we said, I wish they could have spread some of the content out. So that my brain wasn't constantly going, what, huh, what, where, what? You know, like, it would have been nice to have been able to kind of... Because for me, that ended up distracting from the emotional closure of it because I was thinking so hard the whole time, you know? Well put. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of how I felt. 
All right, let's do the uh, let's do the old mailbag here. Uh, if one of you guys will check Twitter, last time I saw we didn't really have anything over there. Uh, yeah, this is ep- episode one sixty one. Well, thank you guys. Only one, uh, one uh, Marvel television show left. Live action. Yeah, health. Probably one total that will actually probably cover. And, maybe if we even decide to cover it. So, um, it is interesting that Loeb was in a deadline interview with the executive producers. I don't know if you guys saw that today, and so he was there, and yes. then they mm-hmm. actually talked a little bit about the show and the way they, you know, did race representation on the show. And Jeff was just real quiet when that happened. At least this was, the, the interview was written up. It was I felt awkward just reading it. You know, I assume. Right, I assume there was stuff said afterwards um, because that interview cut out at the weirdest right? spot. I think Marissa says, Marissa said yes, and then like that was the end of the interview and no further continuation. So I have a feeling things were said. Um, but, you know, PR. Oh, hey. Somebody found on our Twitter back when I was live tweeting from the Iron Fist panel where um, where I live tweeted that Jeff Loeb came out in the karate costume because I, I always, like, put lots of pictures. and Uh-huh. Yeah, so people found that. That's cool. Yes. And thankfully, because that tweet feels very different now, but it seems like you're right. being critical of him, you know, where you're like, no, like... Uh, Jessica Henwick, I guess, made him take it off or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I was just tweeting the facts. She made him surrender the costume. Uh, but somebody liked that, like, yeah, she should have. I mean, at least that's the feeling that I got from it. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of which, the New York Comic Con. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Rhiannon. We have to, we can't have a meetup there this year. I mean, I considered still throwing a party, but... You know, it'll be a pretty sad party. Actually, no, I think I'm going to go out of town that weekend and just pretend it's not happening. Uh, but it looks like the interactive stuff that New York Comic Con is doing is very different than how San Diego did it. It looks like they're truly trying to plan some stuff Thank that's God. interactive for the fans. So, Speaking um, of stuff that's interactive for the fans, uh, our next podcast, which will come out a week from when this one does... Uh, I'm just going to say you should listen because it's going to be kind of weird and different and I'm excited to try something weird and different next time. And Adam and Rhiannon don't remember what I was talking about, but we can talk about it later. Yeah, I'm like, weird, different. I totally forgot what I volunteered Wait, what, for. What were we doing? Hopefully it's when, not too weird. weird and different? You had me checking the Twitter feed. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll talk about it in a minute. We're done with the episode. Um, I'll tease. It's not a good tease if I tell people what we're going to do. Uh, Love Wolf on the website. Tired, wondering where Fitz has been the whole season. Wired, wondering if they'll bring back Ward for the finale. Inspired, oh, come on, just bring back Kyle McLaughlin for like one scene. He can do it over Zoom. Yeah, I was I was bummed that we didn't have Kyle McLaughlin back. He played uh, Daisy's dad, so... I'm sure Daisy took Cora and Sousa to meet him before they went out into space. Yeah. And the little girl. Wasn't the the, the future-telling girl 
near her dad too. I can't remember. I don't remember the timelines anymore. It, she's uh, not in space with them, so she didn't know go, need to go visit her dad. Yeah, it's it's all of us. All right, uh, I think that's the end of the podcast, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. If you want to support the show over at Patreon, we'd really appreciate that. Help us uh, pay for the hosting and all that stuff. That's uh, patreon.com slash marvelnewsdesk. You can like us on social media. You can send us uh, stuff on our website or on our Twitter handle, and we will talk about it in the mailbag. Uh, thanks for just being here. And to all of our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Of, Agents of Shield lovers, uh, we prided ourselves on being a show that actually talks about S.H.I.E.L.D. almost every week, where a lot of Marvel podcasts you know treat it like it's not worth it but we've enjoyed it and we know you have too and so it's a sad farewell to shield at least as a content creator at the very least but uh yeah we love those characters and it was fun i will see you guys next week